he said, Gadol, to my mind, one of the most essential Yisraelis in Chiluch. What I want to say sounds ridiculously stupid, ridiculously simple, but because those people often forget this, and uh, therefore, like the Psalm of Shem writes in his Akdama, I'm not coming to Mechadish something, but just to remind people of things that Shekva Yodau, tend to forget about. But then I'll add another point here also, and that is besides the fact that it's so posh and unfortunately gets forgotten again, um, neglecting this point or forgetting about it never can also be very damaging to to the relationship between the parent and the child, and therefore can be very destructive to the long-term care. And uh, the aside I want to talk about is the thing I want to talk about is the fact that uh, as a children have feelings children have feelings and you have to deal them with them like you deal with any other other person now I want to show you already talk about this point but it's something which I think is partial it doesn't take a certain level of uh, you know, mental understanding or intellectual ability to have feelings Children have feelings also, I'm not talking about physical feelings, I'm talking about emotional feelings. And the person has to treat them and take that into consideration when you talk when you deal with them. It's Pashat Derecher, it's another human being, but it doesn't even if it's your own child. Even if it's your own child. For example, let's give some examples of this. It's understood as a normal thing that when you ask somebody to do something, you say please and you say thank you. Right, you're not a dictator. And therefore, you ask someone to do a favor, even if he's meant to do it for you, and even if it's his job, that right, your employer is asked you to do something, the way to ask somebody, which is a terrorist, is you say, can you please do this? And you, do you say thank you to them, right? Uh, yes, you have the dictator who's going to bark instructions or who's going to demand obedience, and but it definitely doesn't make for a good relationship. Right? Uh, even if someone's expected, even if it's a, a service that someone's being paid to do, right, it's, it's a normal terrorist to say please, to say thank you, Right, when you talk to somebody else. Okay, if that's the case, it, it, it's the same normal decency, the same normal derechah, should be to your children also. Yes, they're Yes, they have responsibilities which you've given them in the house. Right, but even with all that said, and even and all that is true, if the way you're going to come across is you come across as a taskmaster who's going to bark orders, right, you better do this now, or come on, hurry up, you have to finish this, or this is your job, why not tell you to do it, or whatever it's going to be. Right? It's, it's, people still have feelings and they're still going to resent the fact that you're trying to force them to do things. And even, if they, even if they have to do it, but still, the way that you, come, you, you present the request as, can you please do your job, whatever it's going to be, or now it's time to go to bed, can you please go to bed nicely. Whatever it's going to be that you want them to do, the fact that you phrase it in a way that it doesn't, isn't confrontational and isn't demeaning the, the to a person, even the child, makes a difference. Now, I'm not talking about children who can't understand language yet. That's a different story. But I'm talking about children, three, four, five, who are old enough to understand what you're saying to them. And yes, they're also sensitive to the nuance. They're sensitive to the way you talk. Similarly, it could, it could be something that they expect you to do and that the, you, you write to tell them to do. But if they do it, it's a normal thing to say thank you. Right? If you ask, if I tell my children after fidgeting, please pick up your own plate and put it in the sink. Right? Now, that's a normal thing that you expect the child to do. Okay, but you might say, the way to talk to somebody, to say please before I say thank you afterwards. It's a, it's it's not a, a you know, lessening my influence as a parent if I don't come across as a taskmaster. On the contrary, it's a way of interacting with somebody else which makes them someone you can work with. 
as opposed to somebody you always have to force to do things because they're not, they're not going to be willing participants or whatever it's going to be. And uh, um, just on this point, look at other examples. It sounds like I said a very, a very simple point. But from a number of cases which I've advised people to do this point, it's an amazing thing. When a parent naturally thinks that the way to talk to their children is to issue orders, and they're surprised that they get resistance. (coughs) We are doing this now. Come on, you have to do this now. And then the child doesn't listen to me. It's like he's disobedient. He doesn't listen. So we have a chiluch problem. And the first advice I always suggest is try nicely. Try nicely. Children also resent being forced what to do. They also resent being, you have to do this. And even if they do have to do it, you can ask them nicely to do something. Right? And very often, once there isn't that a certain aggression in the way you put in the request or putting the command, it, it weakens the resistance also. Parents fall into the habit of that's the way they address their children always. Always. It's just like you, 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 you know, it's with the expectation of you, you should be doing this now and you better do it, or whatever it else it is. Handling big supplies a lot of times. Whatever the reason is, but Lamaze, if that's the way you're always interacting with your family, if that's the way you're always interacting with your family, Lamaze, it's going to break down the, firstly, the willingness of people to listen to you, number one, and as a result, your effectiveness when you're trying to say anything. And it's not just for your, it's for your kids, I'm saying Lamaze, it's a myth of a person. If you train yourself to speak nicely, people will listen to you. Including your children. The Gemara says that even though a person is or whatever it is, right? Which means, please, right? Please light the candles, whatever it's going to be. It's going to make a big, dif- a big difference. That's the first part. Like I said, I think it's a Pashut, but it's often forgotten. It's often forgotten. It can change the whole dynamic of a person interacting with their children if it's. The way that the communication is something which is the way you would communicate to anybody else. Or it's like a, it's like you come you've taken the job of being a of being a dictator. That's the first point. The second point. The second point. And this is equally important and also this is something which often can cause injury which can fester for years afterwards. And maybe as adults in therapy, they will come to this nakuda of what they blame their parents for everything which went wrong in their life, which maybe is unfair. I agree, but the point is a good point. The point is a good point. And that is, if as a parent you, you make a mistake regarding your child, which happens the whole time, right? You see, like the Gemara says, you see two children in the room, and one comes out crying. You immediately assume the other one did something to them, right? And let's say you're not going to take time to investigate the circumstances, you're going to start to punish the, the one you think was the aggressor. Or something happens, something breaks, something spoils, and you immediately assume it must be him, must be her, whatever it is, and you straight away go and punish or threaten or warn or yell out, whatever you're going to do. Right? And very often you're wrong. It, it, uh, people don't examine all the facts properly. Right? They jump to conclusions, and they wrongly punish or yell at or whatever it's going to be, someone who did nothing wrong. Right? Now again, Normal derech is apologize. Normal derech is I'm sorry I made a mistake. It wasn't you. I'm sorry I feel bad that I yelled at you. I feel bad that I punished you. I'll take it back. I'm sorry you did nothing wrong. Whatever it's going to be, I'll make I'll make amends. Right? 
again, it's it's Pasha Derech Eretz. You would do it to anybody else. If you would wrongly accuse somebody, if you would wrongly punish somebody, if you had the ability to do that, right, then you find out you made a mistake and the person was innocent. right? So, of course, you have to firstly apologize and, and, and do whatever you can. right? For some reason, when it comes to a person's children, they think, I don't have to do that. It's okay. You know, it's, like, it's on the cheshbon for something else I must have done. Or whatever, whatever other rationale there's going to be. You should know it causes emotional injury, uh, emotional pain, which can fester for years, right? And then years later, you can hear someone saying, "I'm sometimes that I never forgave my father for he when he punished me for something I never did. It could be ten or twenty years before." And like I once brought from the we spoke about the Fulkurim, is the the gone the gone writers. The gone says that there's a certain feeling that a person gets um, when he gets punished for something that he did, but inside he knows it's right. He deserved it. But the onus that it's unjustified punishment, it was unfair, is a completely different level of tzak. I was punished for something unfairly. That first is. But the God says, actually, an unbelievable thing. The God says, I said, I said, the kids are, I'm us Esther. It says, on the, on the night, the fateful night, where Homer was being, uh, was about to get killed. And and Esther had just set him up, and he's the one who wants to kill me, my people. So the Pasuk says, Mordechai goes, I'm the king, goes outside to the garden. And he sees workers cutting down his trees. And the Almighty says, he said to the workers, why are you cutting down my trees? So they said, Homer told us to. So the, the king comes in more angry for what's Homer doing? You know, cutting down my trees, my, my, my height. Right? And the question is, Homer didn't do that. And the whole thing was made up. They were Malachim and they came to frame Homer. Ask the God, there was enough Homer that wrong in his life. Right? If you want to punish him and you want to, you're about to hang him anyway, there's enough good reasons to do it. Why do you have to frame him with something he really didn't do? He really didn't do it. He had nothing to do with Achavosh's trees. That's what he has to get punished for. It's not like we have to look for things that Homer did wrong. And the God's answer is, Homer wants to kill the Jews for doing nothing wrong. And therefore they would have gone to the grave with a sense of injustice. I was punished for nothing. Had Homer been killed for something Homer really did, it wouldn't have been made of connected Meda. There would have been certain acceptance where I really deserve it. It was not for Homer to get killed for something he really didn't do. That you should die with that same sense of injustice. It's not fair. I didn't cut down the king's trees. It had nothing to do with me. I've been friend. And the God says, but the same thing is here true also. If a person is punished, then, but he really admits, deep down, I deserved it. I did, it's true. I did do whatever was wrong. There's a certain acceptance. You might not be happy about it, but there's an acceptance. But when a person gets punished for something which he didn't do, then the injustice festers and it doesn't go away. And therefore, if it ever happens that you wrongly accuse a child of something which you find he didn't do, right? it's not just for the long-term emotional health of your child, it's for you. It's I'm sorry, it was my mistake. And what can I do to make it up to you? And it's a good idea not to jump to conclusions, even though we're all humans and we do, and we make mistakes, and it's understood it's going to happen. right? But at least when we realize we made a mistake, right? yes, Come down, apologize. You're right and I'm wrong, I'm sorry. What can I do to make it up to you? Just the very recognition of the fact that you were wrong and that they're right can really go a long way to, okay, to fixing up the to fixing up the whatever damage was done. Right. Should you should you on the on the hemshach of this nukoda, right? And that is um, just just like it can co- it can cause a, a long lasting uh kind of hurts. That someone was punished for nothing, right? The next point I want to talk about, which is a little bit more sensitive, how to find when to use this, 
but equally important. And that is, if a person never believes his children's version of the events, right? Like, it's the same liquid. It's the same liquid, just in a different sense, right? Whenever you're going to find what happens, there are going to be two sides to the story, right? Now, unless you know your child is a serial liar, right? Sometimes you can be telling the truth. You have to take it seriously, right? If you have two children in fight and one comes crying, he did this to me, right? And I said, no, I didn't, right? You can't assume necessarily because the one is hurt that the other one did something wrong, right? It could be that it, whatever happened, happened, but this, the child exaggerated what happened. It could be he hurt himself and he's just framing the other one. Like, there are lots of options, right? And it's the same thing. When the teacher says, you know, the son was doing this in class, it's your child. And the child said, it wasn't me, I know it wasn't me, he made a mistake, right? Don't always negate what your child said. It's the same thing. It's going to, if, especially if your child was right, and he knows if he's right, even if you don't, right? If the fact that you didn't believe his version of the facts, and he knows he's right, is going to do the same effect. He's going to feel that I was unjustly dealt with, right? And therefore, always, the question is a good question. If I can bevire it to a certain extent, or I can see my child's not telling me the truth, or whatever the case is, I know him, and it's, I can see when he's being honest and when he's not, okay, then I can, I can come to my conclusions. If I don't know the misophic, don't do anything. But then the way is, I say, look, I can't, in this particular case, I can't punish you because I don't know what happened, but I can tell you that if some, I ever find out that you would do this, this is what I would do about it. But I'm not doing anything now, but Tarashani, mm-hmm. he's getting the message of what, what should happen, though you said it was in the situation he was guilty. Okay. I'm okay. One second, let's finish. Now, that's the next quarter. Quarter. And that is, the sense of that self-righteousness that I've been wrong, right, applies to children also. Right? And you have this, and I don't know if kids are in school yet, and if my children are in school, on a Kimat daily basis. But every single teacher in the school, right? Because the, the each one feels that they were wronged for something which they didn't either do or they were overlooked or they weren't given their fair chance or whatever it is. And the truth is, if you listen to what they say, most of the time they're right, right? They have a sense of right and wrong, right? And if they did something wrong and the teacher yelled at them, they're not going to come complaining to their parents. That, you know, but if they're saying that, I never did this and the teacher yelled at me, or they're saying that the teacher didn't give me a chance when they gave everyone else a chance, there is a, there's a certain sense of injustice that little kids can feel and if you listen to them, they're actually right. There was an injustice. Now, I'm not blaming all the teachers. When you're talking about a class of 30 kids and you point happen to forget one, it can happen. That child's never going to forgive you. I was the only one who didn't get the chance. And they, they, they feel the injustice, and okay, so you have to try and work with it, or get over it. But I'm saying, I'm just saying the point. The fe- that, that's the point of tonight's shift. Children have feelings. And they feel very strongly, and just because they're small doesn't mean they're not going to be aware of it, and doesn't mean it's not going to affect them. Right, that's in the quota of feeling wrongs, feeling aggrieved, feeling injustice. Now, our focus tonight is to talk about how a parent treats his children, how to deal with when other people wrong your child, and that we'll talk about that in a different year. Right, but we'll talk about how other mistakes parents make with regard to their children. Okay, so that's that. Let's go on to the next point. The next point, we want once talk about this briefly before, but I'm coming back to it now. This is the Gemara. This is the Gemara. The Gemara says, never promise a child something and don't do it. So first the Gemara. Don't promise to do something with a child and don't do it. It's not because, right? Now, because, firstly, he's going to teach him how to lie. Because he can see, well, my parents don't keep their word, number one. But number two, you lose trust. And that's one of the most important things that a child needs, to be able to trust his parents. I trust them, and therefore they said something to me, I trust them. And remember, a child doesn't have anything else to rely on, so he has to rely on what his parents are telling him. That's the basis. 
That's the basis. And if a, if a parent lies to his children, then, then he erodes the, his own trust, the, the, the trust his children have in him, and then they don't trust him for anything. Who said? He said this, I don't believe you, I don't know if you're right. But, and therefore, even a little child, if you say you're going to do something, do it. And you can always justify not doing it. And that is, yeah, I promise you I'll do this to you, but since then you've been acting so badly that you really don't. Did you make that a plan when you promised him? If you told me, Rosh, if you behave until tomorrow, then I'll take you for an ice cream. Okay, then I can say, look, I told you behave, but you did this, and you did this, and you did this. That's not good behavior. I don't mind. That's okay. But if I just said, it's time, I'm going to do this for you. And now he's uh, racked up a lot of avarice since then, which he deserves the I shouldn't. Punish him some other way. He, he tra- you told him to do something. The Gemara says, don't lie to a child. You're going to lose, you're going to lose firstly, the value of keeping your word, and secondly, the trust he has in you. Or whatever it's going to be. Whatever you said you're going to do, do. And remember, often your children will remember better than you what you said, because they, they, for them it's a big deal. Right? For you it's just enough already. If you, just go, if you go to bed, I'll do, it, I'll do it for you tomorrow. All right? Or whatever it's going to be. If you do this, I'll, if you help me for five minutes, I'll give you a gift. Or whatever it's going to be. Right? They'll remember very well, because you promised them that it's 100% they're waiting for it, they're expecting it. And if they come back and say, you told me you'll do this for me, right? so if you if it slips your mind that you say something, 100% you're going to do it right now. Right? You promise it, you do it. it you don't lie to a child. It makes a very big difference. Uh, the, I still remember the Rebbe in Chayla who promised us gifts and didn't give them to us. Not that I still have Tanism anymore. It's a long time. But you don't forget things like that. Because as a child, it makes such a difference. As a child, it makes such a difference that somebody, you were waiting for something. He told you to do it for you. And you didn't. It's like a certain lack of trust in people that you meant to trust. And therefore, also, don't assume it. Oh, okay, I told him, okay, Ms. Tommy forgot about it. Ms. Tommy, it's okay. It doesn't work like that. Ms. Tommy didn't forget about it. And Ms. Tommy, he's going to hold it. Like, it it's lowering your, his ability to trust you, but he sees you don't keep what you say. Thank you. Can I get it? Okay. Next, look And again, this is something which, as parents, we don't necessarily take sufficient cognizance of but something which is also something which we, if you think about it for a second we can understand our children very well and that is children also have a sense of ownership what belongs to them right? a very strong sense of ownership which belongs to them because remember in, in, far, in, in regards of how many things a child actually owns it's very very little Compared to you, you have a house and you have furniture and you have all kinds of things in it. Right? So you have a lot of things which you own, which are yours. How much does your child own which is his? A few clothing, a few toys, not very much. Right? But whatever it is he has, it's a, but he has a very strong sense of ownership. Now, we naturally think as parents, right, that, okay, what's the big deal? It's, uh, he can share his things. What's the big deal? Right? The, your one child's crying for uh, a toy and it's the other child's toy. Like a big deal, so I'll share. Give us, I'll, I'll take his story to give it to him. Right? It just takes the story off my head because it'll keep him quiet for a few more minutes. Right? Or even you're talking about two babies, and I use the one pacifier for the other one, or the one's bottle for the other one. Big deal. It's like, what's the thing? You should know, if a child feels it's theirs, then they feel you're stealing from them. This is mine. This is mine, and you steal now. And that's why you'll often see a little child will go crazy about the fact you took away his thing. And you think as an adult, what's the big deal? Because it's not yours. Right? It's not yours. You th- you're taking it. I just need someone's thing to fix up, to deal with what I need to deal with now. Or, with the, the most frequent example of this, the most common example is invite guests for a Shabbos meal. 
and the, their kids want to play. So you say, sure, here's a play card, take whatever you want. And your kids go, these are my, these are my things, we just gave them away. Right? Now, I always give this marshal. I always give this marshal because think about it a second and you'll see how your child's feeling. Right? Imagine if your child would give your neighbor your car keys and say, sure, go use my father's car. Right? How do you feel about that? Like, What's the big deal? Is this part of your car? Yet, most parents wouldn't take too kindly to the fact right? it's my car. You don't just give away my car. Right? So you're doing the same thing to him. He doesn't have a car, but he has his toy cars. You did the same thing to him. They're his. Make it as you have the right to go take away from him. Now, I'm, even, I'm not just talking just the halakha here, which is what you talk about also. If you give something to a child, it could be it is his. But that's not the point right now. The point is, you, you push it in his eyes, you're stealing from him. Right? And just like you don't want to, someone to take your things without your rishos and give them away, or other people take them and break them or use them, whatever it is, don't expect that from your children. Right? They're definitely not on that level of godless that they can move out so easily. But don't expect from your children. If they feel it's theirs, and you, you, you take it without permission, you're giving it to other kids who could ruin it, who could steal it, who could use it, who could break it, who could whatever it's going to be, just the fact that you didn't even ask him. So 100%, they feel you've stolen from them. If they feel you've stolen from them, and the point is, your boys say, they're right. In a sense, you have. Now, if you're going to say me first, this is a family toy, it's not just for you, it's for everybody. And if we have guests, it's for guests. And if anyone who brothers this want to use it, it's for everyone. I bought this toy as a Hanukkah gift for the whole family. Okay, they understand it. No one's going to, and you'll see, no one will have time to send it. And I've seen this b'chush. I've seen this b'chush. The, 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 those, those things that I bought for my family, for everybody, no one ever complains when somebody else wants to use it. understand, it's for everybody. Those things which is yours or yours and this was given to you as the Hanukkah present or your birthday present or whatever it's going to be, right? Then they're fiercely protected. This is mine. Now, it doesn't mean there aren't kids who have good medicine. Some kids will share their things. But again, if you want them to share, you go and ask nicely. Say, can I borrow your thing for him? You know, we have a guest. Can you share your game? Right? And if you ask them, then for a kid who's by nature a generous kid, will agree to share. That's not the issue. The issue is the fact that you took without, without asking even. You took their thing, clearly you stole it from them. Is it? Yeah. If your kids are a bit older, are they going to say they want their own thing? Because if everything which you share, I never get to look after, I never get to keep, I never get the chance with, and I can't have anybody else ruining it. So they're going to come to you and say, we want to, you know, it's not very nice that these things we have, but we want our own one. And if it's for going to be for the next birthday present or for a treat for something when, when the grandparents visit them, whatever it is, it's a natural human thing, right? If I want something, I want to look after it, and I want to make sure that, not, not, that it's not going to get, it's available for me when I want it. So, of course, it's a normal thing. A person wants something of their own. Again, I don't have a problem with that. It's a normal thing. Work with it. But if it is theirs, it's theirs. It's the famous thing Moshe Feinstein always used to say. But the reason the first receptor, the kids learn the Gemara, is Eilu Matthias is to teach kids that if it's not mine, it's not mine. I found it in the street. I don't know. No one's coming to fight with me about it. But if it's not mine, it's not mine. So that's an important, parent, that's an important starting point for to teach kids. If it's not mine, it's not mine. Then you as a parent have to be the first one to enforce the rule. And what's given to your kids, if someone else gave it to your kids, if the grandparents gave your kids the gift, then you have nothing to do with it. I mean, if it wasn't even yours, you weren't even the one to reward it for them. Right? So that uh, adherence to the same rule, that if it's not yours, you know, it's your child's, you have no right to use it on their behalf without asking them. Which often happens, people give a kid's money and say, listen, um, right now you don't have any I'm going to look after it for you. I'm going to look after it for you, and if you ever want to come and see it, I'll show it to you. I'm, this is, I'm keeping it for you. It's staying here on the top of my, my drawers or my closet, whatever it is. 
Whatever you want to see if your mind is there, ask me. I'll, I'll take down the envelope, wherever it's in, I'll show it to you. I'll put it back to look after for you. No one should think I'm stealing it. It's there for you. I'm just protecting it for you. That's, again, that's understandable. Number five. And that's also, that's a, again, I think it's a If people do this, it's only because they don't have that they're doing something wrong, because they think the children don't feel that it's not true. And number five, and that's also maybe the, the one which is also the one which is remembered for years afterwards, and that is never embarrass your children. Never embarrass your children. The feeling of embarrassment, the feeling of busha is one of the most powerful negative feelings a person can feel, especially if it's grabbing, right? Chazal says, And the nakuri here is, is that the, the, the person, the, if it's some stranger who embarrasses you, it's one thing. But if it's a person that you be'at some respect, and a person that you be'at some look up to, and a person that you be'at some are, are forced to look into that position with, and they embarrass you, it's it's destructive to a completely different target. Now, parents do this without thinking a lot, and it's a very dangerous thing to do. It's a very dangerous thing to do. I'll give you three examples. I'm sure there are more. I'm just going to give three examples to explain the point. Firstly, firstly, if you want to tell off your child, never do it in front of other kids. Let's say your child did do something wrong, and let's say that it's appropriate to tell them off and whatever it's going to do or punish them. Never berab him. Never berab him. It's bad enough that they deserve a punishment one thing, but to embarrass a child in front of his friends is, is much, much, much worse. It's not just the punishment, and even the punishment is it's the embarrassment of it. That's never, that's never an option. If you want to punish, so wait the child's by himself with you, and you can talk to them by themselves. And whatever you feel is the appropriate thing to do, we'll talk about punishment in a different shape. But to, 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 to put down the child, to yell at him, to, to punish him, to even say what he did wrong in front of somebody else, that's not much of a someone A child's no less than anyone else. If, if that's together and the Khalikalimabad, there shouldn't be any difference over here. And specifically because it's a parent doing it, means you can't argue. If some stranger is in the you can say, oh, he's got the story wrong, he doesn't know anything, what's he worth anyway? But if it's a parent, what are you going to say? It's like someone that you respect and look up to who's been embarrassing you. That's the first point. Number two, right? People think it's okay to make jokes on their child's expense, right? They don't think, they don't realize the child gets embarrassed from it, right? It's a, if a parent would say, just as an example, but there could be many other examples, if a parent would say, yeah, I know, it's like, it's, it's an amazing what a good teacher he is, like even a kid as stupid as Mam Moshe can understand it, right? Or whatever it's going to be, right? Fine, so you don't mean it like that, but it's, you're embarrassing somebody, Barabim. And it's the way where they can't defend themselves, what they're going to say. The parents say, yeah, even if someone's stupid as my Moshe. Or whatever it's going to be, yeah, it's like, you're, whatever, whatever other comment it's going to be, which gives that negative feeling or that negative emotion, whatever it is, right? The child feels embarrassment. They, don't, they can't respond to it. And that's what Rabbi Yenna writes. That why it's dormitory tzicha is because you, you've done something the person can't say anything back. So it's, it's possible he's nichasim to himself. It's like you know you, it's it's together you killed him. It's, it's inability to 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 show himself. To, he has to get a retreat. What do you do when you have a when 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 a like the Rebbe called me up to say. Well, the principal called out to say, my son did this and this and this and this. Right. Well, come down to the school. We have to talk about your kid that whatever it's going to be. So I said, same thing. 
okay, I heard. Let me speak to him. Let me hear what he has to say about it. Right? Just because uh, you've heard the, the side of the, pro- of the prosecution first doesn't mean that it's right. There's a second side to the story. Okay? And if I'm going to serve, so at least I'm going to show support. I'll, I'll hear. Let's see what he said. Let me decide. Uh, no doubt I have to believe the first thing which you said. So, those things which I want to speak about tonight. The Sherish. The Sherish is even though a child is younger, and even though a child is, uh, even though a child is uh, maybe not as developed intellectually, uh, but the nice a child feels, and as a parent, what, they feel what you do to them more strongly. I mean, anytime it's a deep relationship, so they're going to feel the effect much more, strong, much more strongly. And therefore, there's a much more of a responsibility of a parent to have this in mind, to, to remember and to protect, so to speak, or the way his child's emotions, the way he deals with him. They shouldn't be damaging him by not, by not treating him like you would treat any other person. As you know, that's the key aside.